Welcome to the Sparketing Podcast. In this episode, I interview Natalia Vihovsky, a personal branding strategist and LinkedIn expert. Now, before I get started in the interview with Natalia, I just want to preface this by saying that she is easily one of my favorite content creators out there, especially on LinkedIn. And if you're not following her, you really should visit Natalia Vihovsky on LinkedIn or at Think Natalia on Instagram. You will not regret this because you're going to find a bunch of strategies for building your brand or just improving your life in general or building your business, whatever your needs are. She's really smart, you guys, and you need to follow her and follow the content that she's putting out. It's very valuable. It's all free. And it's just been a huge, it's had a huge impact on me personally. So I want you to consider doing that. This is one of the most rewarding interviews that I've ever done. Very, very good for me. It's going to be great for you. And I hope that you'll pay close attention. Now, without further ado, here is the interview with Natalia Vihovsky. Welcome um, to the podcast. Today, I'll be interviewing Natalia Vihovsky. Hopefully, I said that well. She's nodding. Yes. Okay. I said it okay. <laughs> um, Natalia is an award-winning personal branding strategist, and I'm excited to have her on today, especially to talk about LinkedIn. A lot of the audience is very interested in building a brand on LinkedIn and using that as a platform to build not only their brand, but also their business. So this is going to be really valuable because Natalia is one of the top LinkedIn voices, somebody that I follow very closely and I'm really excited to have her on. So how are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you so much for asking and for inviting me over. I'm excited. Um, so Natalia is from Germany originally and now lives in the UAE in Dubai. Exactly. So very cool background. Um, you're not going to meet as many people with such a cool background as her. Really excited to have you on. And I want to jump in talking specifically about LinkedIn. So this is a podcast about social media tips and giving advice, especially for building a brand. And you have tons of experience in this because this is actually what you do for a living. But mm -hmm. before this, before you were a branding strategist, what did you do? What did I do? I first worked in a vocational training institute and my job was to set up a library from scratch. So I worked in education. And after doing that for three and a half years, I changed into the private economy to logistics and supply chain. And in the first year I helped somebody with the export department. And then in the second year, I, um, I set up a marketing department from scratch. So I was always this kind of consultant. Mm -hmm. That's how I saw myself or a creator. And uh, yeah, and then I realized um, I'm not really happy. And I live this um, in my next job, I will be happy weirdness that didn't mm -hmm. work out for me. So at a certain stage, I was really unhappy. I felt unsuccessful. I felt empty. Um, and I realized I needed to do my homework. So I literally went on a sabbatical, quit my job, uh, went on a sabbatical to to work on myself and to finally take ownership of my life. And um, yeah. So I know that your sabbatical lasted about nine months. What did you do mm -hmm. during that time that would actually lead to making a change in your career? 
I, first of all, distanced myself from the majority of people that I knew because I believed by then that, or I understood by then that the people that you spend time with have an impact on how you think, on how you are and everything. So I said, you know, I need to go through this kind of cleansing process. So goodbye, everybody. I'm going through a weird phrase. I'll be back. Um, I changed my my sleeping habits. So I went to bed around 9.30ish and I woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I started meditating. I um, worked a lot for my PhD thesis. I read up to five books per week and I implemented things out of these books into my life. I, I changed the way how I consume, um, the way how I speak, think. Um, yeah, like a lot of things that that I've been doing wrong all my life because I've been always following the advice of all the people, of authorities, and I, I understood that I need to figure out what works for me, what's true for me, um, what, 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 what does it mean, dream job, or the perfect career doesn't exist, so okay, how would I like to work, with whom, how does my perfect day look like, so I literally confronted myself with a billion questions, <laughs> and um, also asked for help, I mean, I worked with a uh, uh, coaches and mentors and therapists and uh, quite a lot of people because I realized at a certain stage that I'm running against the wall I'm not getting further and um, yeah it was a painful journey but yeah it sounds like it but so at the end of the nine months how did you what made you decide to just start taking action in the right direction what was the thing that made you just start building your personal brand uh, I wanted to do the sabbatical a little bit longer, but then something happened. So the money that I saved or that I had, uh, you know, had, how can I say that? I, before I went on a sabbatical, I had an idea of how much money I, I need for it. And um, there are certain ways how I want to make money if I really need the cash. So I realized at the end that money is really not coming. <laughs> so I need yeah. to get out there somehow, right? <laughs> um, and then I, um, I realized, okay, let's do simple things that do not distract me from, from actually working myself. So I started writing and I started modeling and I started, uh, you know, your simple hostess jobs just to get the cash. So I like money was short. That was the first thing. And the second thing was that I was really frustrated with my PhD thesis in the sense that uh, the academic writing is very strict and it's very politically correct. And I have a lot of, you know, sarcasm and dark humor in me and that somehow needs to get out of my system. <laughs> so at a certain stage, I realized, OK, blogging exists. What is this blogging all about? So I started a blog. And then along the way, I read a lot also about social media. And I, I read about so many guys and, and girls or women, whatever, who made a fortune and designed their dream life out of social media. And I said, well, if they can do that, I need to do that as well. And I can do that as well. So I think this was a mix of all of these factors. Great. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people that can relate to, relate to that. Not necessarily the uh, PhD part, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be a little unique there, but... A lot of people can relate to being low on cash, not liking where they're at in their career and wanting to make a change and turning to social media as a way to do that. But it, I think the, the hardest part, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is just starting. Um, because then once you can get started, little by little, you can start building upon that. But if you never start, nothing obviously will ever happen. But it can be really mm -hmm. discouraging at first because maybe you don't know... Um, what to talk about. So what, what would you say to people that feel like they don't have 
an interesting or worthwhile message to share? Share your story. Talk about exactly the fact that you don't know what to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Because people will resonate with that. There's so many other individuals out there. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that you went through some change, through some painful experiences. And just by talking about them and you decide how far you go, like you don't need to go vulnerability all in, especially mm-hmm. in the beginning, that's almost impossible. But just telling people that you you ended up at a, at a crossroad where you realize this is not working, this is not working. I don't know what to do, but you know what? At least I'm moving forward and here I am and I'm going to talk to you, or I'm going to write for you, or I'm going to engage with you, and let's take it from there. And if anybody feels the way I feel, let's connect, let's have a conversation, online or maybe offline first, whatever it is. This is how it starts, because you will then attract the right people into your life, and they will introduce you to other people, and this is how you just evolve and build that huge brand. And I think that takes us a little bit into LinkedIn, which is, one of your specialties, I, I probably maybe the biggest specialty that you have, training people on LinkedIn and creating content on LinkedIn. I want to ask you a few questions about it because I'm really into LinkedIn as well as my top platform, but I love learning and I'm sure there are tons of people in the audience that really want to know more about LinkedIn. So mm-hmm. if you had to identify a common myth that people have about LinkedIn, what would you say is the biggest common myth that you hear? Mm-hmm. I think it is that LinkedIn is a job search platform. So you are only on LinkedIn if you're looking for a job. I think that's absolute nonsense. LinkedIn is a platform, yes, where you can look for jobs and you if you have a job that you know that you would like to share with the world, fantastic, you can also get it out there. But LinkedIn is also a great platform to 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 how can I say that to grow your personal brand to connect with people to learn to share your message and so many other things it is literally a community and a networking platform and not so much of a uh, tool where I go to if I'm looking for a job mm. and would you would you think that being vulnerable on LinkedIn is acceptable um, and what I mean by that is, for example, I have a friend on LinkedIn. I think you know him, Jacob Leibovitz. Have you mm-hmm. heard of him? Yeah. So he sometimes he puts things out about his family and it doesn't bother me at all. Do you think that that is appropriate on LinkedIn? Do you like seeing that kind of content that's a little more personal or do you prefer to keep it more on the professional side? I think that if you just 100% share business hacks and strategies and I don't know um, infographics that this kind of content will get boring because people want to get to know you they want to hear your story they want to hear your lessons learned your failures your ups and downs and then I think it really depends on the industry that you're living uh, that you're working in so if you are a life coach or a career coach then maybe talking about your problems that you have with your partner or at home might make sense because this is also the problems that you fix off your audience, right? While if you are, I don't know, a hardcore strategic uh, consultant focusing on SEO, maybe talking about your problems at home doesn't make much sense. But again, it's totally up to you how far you go and what the lessons learned is. Because I think people love this this last thing. I mean, because everybody sits there and says, okay, now why are you telling me this? 
what is in it for me? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it definitely makes sense to share your ups and downs. But I see some people overdoing it in a sense that you feel sorry for them or you think, gosh, please work with a psychologist. This is <laughs> this just goes too far. Um, but it, again, it's it's a fine line between vulnerability and oversharing. I think Michaela Alexis talked about this um, one, one day. Yeah, yeah that, that's really interesting because I personally don't have a problem with it. But what, one thing I notice when I look at posts like that, they do get a lot of engagement for better or for worse because mm. people have an opinion either way. Uh, if you're sharing yeah, things about your family, <laughs> I mean, so if you're really looking for engagement, sometimes those controversial posts do very, very well. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think that's uh, with Gary Vaynerchuk, for example, he's obviously very charismatic and has a lot of great thoughts, but the fact that he uses such colorful language also makes him very controversial some people really hate that about him and some people yeah. really like it. But either way, the same, those people are commenting on the post and it doesn't matter exactly. whether they like it or, or not. So yeah. if you're looking for engagement, controversial is not necessarily the worst way to go. But there is that line and we want to keep it a little more toward the professional side. But I think I personally think LinkedIn could be used a little bit more for personal reasons as well. Just, you know, to build your personal brand, like you're saying that people are being a little bit too tactical, a little too robotic on LinkedIn. Um, Now you have about 50,000 followers on LinkedIn. You're almost to 50,000. How did, how did you go from zero to 50,000? How long did it take and what did you do? Uh, Very good question. I have no clue when I actually signed up for LinkedIn. Don't (laughs) ask me. I cannot tell you, but I started to, be more active, I think, during my second job. So that must have been 2012. Um, so when I was still working for somebody, uh, my former mentor taught me to collect with, uh, connect with everybody that that I know that I meet, um, because it's all about you know uh, the people that you are in, in contact with and referrals and testimonials. So started working a little bit on that. But LinkedIn got more attention once my blog was out in 2015. Mm -hmm. So I started with posting literally one article per week. And I quickly realized that's just not possible. That's killing me. I can't do that. And I observed and studied other people. And they they shared uh, status updates because videos didn't exist back then, right? So and, and I was like, okay, simple status updates. I tried that. And then... I saw some people also posting pictures and I thought, ah, should I do that? Shouldn't I do that? I don't know. Will people give me shit for that? Because right. I mean, I have to use my face because I've been observing all of these people out there. And um, to be fair enough, the majority of my role models are male, but all of them use their pictures of them on stage, you know, them and the fancy place or something. And I thought, can I do that as well as a woman on LinkedIn or will that go in the totally wrong direction? And people loved it. And I quickly also realized that you need to use a lot of color. So uh, over the years, my pictures got super colorful. Mm-hmm. I was, I will make sure that I always wear a super bright red dress or super blue shirt or something. Because when you're scrolling, you need to have something that catches your attention, right? Um, yeah, and I was experimenting with status updates here and there. And then one post went viral in 2016, which got me from I think back then 3,000 followers to, oof, what was it? Maybe 17,000 or something. 
And then just three, four months later, another post went viral and that got me to almost like 29,000 or something. Um, yeah, and from then onwards, it was really is really organic growth, I would say, in the sense that I post five times per week um, and I collaborate a lot with people. So podcast interviews, um, um, yeah, and some some shout outs and uh, make sure that I comment a lot below the comments of my audience as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's awesome. Do you have any tips for creating viral content on LinkedIn? Uh, I mean, if if I knew the formula, I would <laughs> you do it every time. content all the time, right? <laughs> did you see any patterns between the, the two posts that went absolutely viral? Did you see patterns or correlations yeah. between them that stood out from, say, your other content? Not really. To be honest, not really. I mean, the the first content, the first post, most probably went viral because I I used a very provocative picture. I used a picture of me in a red dress standing in for in front of a multi million dollar luxury car. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's ah, it's like it. But uh, I think the story that I posted around it was also very good and mm. it really. Um, came like from the bottom of my heart and a lot of people resonated with that it was I mean the the message was um, you need to no it was um, you have to decide you have to make the active decision that every day is special it's not that uh, there are special days and not special days you know when you wake up in the morning wake up and be positive and decide that I'm going to do everything today. That at the end of the day, I'd say today was a special day. So that was the core message. And I think the viral, the second post was um, so well received because I challenged. How do I say that in a political correct way? <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> um, it was about lame excuses and the way how I formulated it could attack some core beliefs around talents slash God mm-hmm. in a sense that I say talents is BS and it's not that some people are gifted and some people are blessed and we all are blessed and talented. So get yourself out there and do something. Right. Um, and a lot of hardcore believers were like, Oh my God, you're not believing in God. You're a sinner. I was like, where did I say that? I was just talking about <laughs> get your ass up there, get that. <laughs> Apparently, we're using words like blessed and talent and gifted. You know, trigger something in people. Ah, something. Yeah, I remember <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. I, I liked what you said about telling the story. So that the part of the post that, that really caught people's eye was that you told a story that resonated. That's what mm-hmm. gets lost a lot on LinkedIn. I think that's a common mistake that a lot of people make is that they aren't telling stories. They're just kind of telling information. And I think there's a stark contrast. Um, what would you say is a common uh, mistake that people make on LinkedIn that you've noticed a lot? Um, that depends a little bit on how you use LinkedIn. But the majority of people use it to get more followers, to have more visibility. And when it comes to that, I find it a little bit problematic if you just repost content, especially when you position yourself as a thought leader. So um, it makes sense to to write an article or to write a short status update on your own. And it doesn't need to be Shakespeare. It doesn't need to be Tony Robbins. But share your thoughts. Share your story. So turn into a content creator instead of a content consumer. Because 
I want to know why I should follow you. So if you don't entertain, educate, inspire, or make me laugh, then why on earth should I follow you? So just get off your horse of big expectations or unicorn. Uh, I know you're great, but also give me something that makes it worth following you. And that would be content in the majority of cases. Yeah. Real content. Provide value. Original content. Yeah. So in content creation, there are very many people that, that would create content, but they don't actually understand how it can make them money or build their brand. So do you have any, do you have any insights on that as to how creating content can actually lead to building your business and making more money? Sure. That depends also, again, heavily on what kind of business you have. So in my case, uh, I'm a keynote speaker. I'm a personal branding strategist slash coach. And I offer online courses. So as a keynote speaker, it makes sense to regularly share some sound bits of me standing on the stage, right? Mm -hmm. And parallel to that, with the right networking strategy, you can connect with event organizers, with HR directors, marketing directors. So when these guys organize an event next time when they need a workshop, they know you exist. They consume your content. They will get back to you. That's one of the easiest ways. Then um, when it comes to online courses, for example, what I have figured out works the best is to share your content and then every now and then um, really create a sort of sales funnel that you offer some free webinar, some free course or whatever, and you collect the emails of these people and then you you know, provide them with the free material. And then at the end, you also tell them that if they liked what they saw, there is also a, you know, self-study online course that they can invest in. And uh, if they most properly sign up today, then they get a special discount. So this is how you, you know, you make your your smart passive income then. Mm. Um, so these are just two two ways how you can do that. Thank you. That's awesome. I I think what you're saying here, is that people need to get out and create content. Not not yeah. so much, don't worry so much about what the outcome is going to be right now. Start, get going. And uh, do you have any advice for people trying to find their message? We talked a little bit about this, but um, again, there are a lot of people that think they're not interesting, but they really can be. But how did you find your message and, and the story that you wanted to talk about? I had a look at the people I used to spend time with and I I asked myself, what are the problems that annoy the hell out of me um, that these people have? And many of my friends are very creative and they're really great at what they do. So that's the, the one bubble. And then on the other side, I see a lot of people who are, ridiculously stupid uneducated and make a fortune (laughs) and and I said that that contrast just I can't I can't live with that um and why these kind of stupid people make a lot of money is because they know how to market themselves they know how to position themselves they know how to talk they know how to write they know how to move they just you know they enter the rooms like there here I am so at a certain stage I realized that there's also something like self-marketing and it's called personal branding. And, you know, my background being a social scientist actually makes a lot of sense. So I decided to learn what these guys do and to apply that on myself and to experiment and test it. And then also teach my friends that. So I realized that helping my friends 
market themselves better, to make more money, to to live the life that they deserve, um, was the thing that that inspired me, that kept me going. So this was my my real world problem that I needed to solve. And yeah, whenever there was any problem, any challenge, I just started talking about it. And I also regularly asked. Uh, I asked my friends, I asked people online, what is the challenge? How can I be of help? Uh, do you also have the same problem? Do you have the same thoughts? Continuously asking questions and then also finding a way how to structure or collect them or manage them so you can always go back to them is also a brilliant way for or a brilliant foundation for content strategy. How many hours a day or how much time a day you actually spend on LinkedIn? Hmm. I think at the moment it's somewhere between 30 till 45 minutes, I would say. Uh, it really depends on how many messages do I get and how many connection requests and then how many posts have I, I mean, did people tag me? If I have rarely any connection requests, no messages at all, and there's not much going on, you can easily reduce it to 15 minutes. But sometimes it goes up to an hour, an hour and a half, because I need to send out offers. I need to um, arrange meetings or whatever it is. So imagine I have a day in which I need to send out two offers and organize three um, meetings or podcast interviews while a post started to have more than 1,000 likes and 300 comments. So mm -hmm. <laughs> on these days, it might take a little bit longer. Sure. But I, I do not see that as a burden. I do not see that as, as a waste of time because I love this platform. I mean, I chose it because I'm addicted to it anyway. I'm a millennial. I have FOMO. So, <laughs> uh, and in the end, I, uh, I mean, it's strategic what I do and it always leads to meeting new interesting people and to potential leads uh, or learning something from somebody. So yeah, it's good. You, you have a YouTube channel, but, mm -hmm. but it's not nearly as widespread as your Instagram audience. Why have you decided to allocate so much more effort and time into LinkedIn as opposed to YouTube for video? Um, I really wanted to understand LinkedIn first because LinkedIn for me was this networking platform where I meet those people that, that help me and I help them. Well, for me, YouTube is sort of like a video version of Google. Yeah. Um, this is how I look at it. And uh, in the very beginning, I had a huge fear of public speaking. So when I started working on, on LinkedIn, I was <laughs> far away from speaking in full sentences. And then LinkedIn video started and I realized, okay, I need to do videos somehow. Oh my goodness. And then I started filming on, on my, my phone. But for me, videos that are filmed on a phone that are on YouTube, Yes, you can do that, but I'm very picky. I have high expectations yes. of myself. So I said, you know what, Natalia, as long as you don't have a photographer, that, a videographer that you regularly work with, you don't do regular um, YouTube videos. So I, at the moment, use YouTube just as my platform where I park my keynotes uh, and I park my interviews. Um, which I can then use to put them on my webpage, right? Mm -hmm. With the links and everything, so the webpage does load so slowly. And it's great materially whenever somebody wants to see me in action. So I use YouTube at the moment more like um, people use, how do you call it, Vimeo? Mm -hmm. um, but I will definitely expand YouTube and, and 
you know, work more on it and understand it properly within the next year, I think. Because it makes sense. I mean, it's the traffic that you can get there, the, the amount of followers and everything is outstanding. But Definitely. then again, I think people spend time on YouTube because they want to look for an answer, while people spend time on LinkedIn because they want to do business. And yeah. I'm interested in business. And that makes sense. Um, have you gotten into Instagram TV at all? I uploaded a video and I had a look and, uh, you know, the response was, Neh. so <laughs> I will definitely, I mean, experiment more with it. Um, at the moment, I'm like, at this, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, does it work for you? Um, no, it does not. <laughs> it's oh, it's a go. lot harder to, and I do a lot of experiments on Instagram TV, especially and it's really hard to to build your audience because it's all based off of your Instagram following to begin with. And people mm. still aren't used to it. So they'll see mm. the little bar at the top that says you have a new video, but they don't really notice it. So, yeah, yeah it, it, it doesn't work super well, but I'm still optimistic about it just because it's new and Instagram's a yeah. proven platform. So I feel like it's worth using just, you know, just so that I'm not behind because I, I already missed out on YouTube. You know, in 2008, I, I could have gotten on back then. I didn't. I missed out on Facebook, you know, I, I, on a lot of stuff on Instagram. And so I, I think it's important when you can ride the wave at the beginning of these movements to do that. But definitely right now, it's not producing the kind of traffic that LinkedIn would. But you do a lot on Instagram as well. So what's the difference mm -hmm. between the content that you'll produce for LinkedIn versus on Instagram? If, because your brand is still the same across platforms, you're still a personal mm -hmm. branding strategist. You're still yeah. talking to people about you know building a better life. But how is the content different from platform to platform? On LinkedIn, I really focus on sharing business strategies, hacks, um, articles, videos, so everything that is really related to business. And I give a hint or a splash of my stories. And these stories are also related to business or somehow to my personal growth. While on Instagram, I share, of course, content around personal branding. I share my speeches, but I also share a lot of random everyday stories out of my life mm -hmm. because people want to see that. Um, and I'm still testing and experimenting. I did a lot of, um, I had a phase in which I just talked about my life and I was like, Okay, amazing, fantastic. Everybody likes it now. I have a lot of likes, but nobody's going to invest in my services because right. they just like it because they see a pretty face and it's exactly <laughs> the comments that I get. So why on earth am I doing that? It doesn't make sense at all. Um, so this is when I then changed it again. And um, I think now I have a good balance between professional, video, personal. So this is what I'm testing or working with right now. And I can see a huge cleaning or cleansing going on on my Instagram. I think I lost like what, 3,000, 4,000 followers because they realized, oh my God, she has a brain. She's going to teach us something. <laughs> That's horrible. I thought she was just pretty and stupid. Maybe I'm going to date her one day. Um, these are just my assumptions, right? Um, so since there is more, more content and longer posts and I also talk more about business, a lot of people left, but there are also quite a few hundreds that joined and these guys are really interested and with these guys i have good conversations um great questions and amazing engagement so i might have less likes right now but i have more profound and better 
uh, comments and um, conversations. And for me, this is where it's all about. I really don't care about the amount of likes. Um, for me, it's about helping other people and uh, generating leads and, um, yeah, you know, creating through that, creating the lifestyle and the business that I want to have. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a lot of people get caught up on with Instagram, especially about how many followers they have and how many likes they're getting, but they're not worrying about how many people they're actually helping. And like you said, how many leads they're bringing in, because if you're using Instagram for business, who cares if you have 300 likes, did one of them actually book your services, buy your product? You know, if you can get one person to buy something from you from a post, then yeah, that's worthwhile. If you got 300 likes and no sales, then so what's, what? what's the what difference, the right? And, and that's why I think LinkedIn obviously is amazing for that reason, because the conversion from content to you know, using a business, purchasing something, using a service from somebody, it's much higher conversion rate than any other platform because people are expecting that. They're on the platform kind of expecting to be not necessarily sold to or anything, but to hear services, to hear products, to hear about businesses. And they're they're going to be interested. They're going to look for their interests and they're going to mm. seek out content that they're actually, they need or that they're interested in. And so that's something you can't find on any other platform. And mm. I think my last question is this. So this is actually for my wife, especially because she's, um, she's an editor, but she, we, we just had a baby. And so she's staying at home right now and she doesn't think she needs to be on LinkedIn because she's not currently working. I want to hear what you have to say to people that think that they don't need to be on LinkedIn. I think there there might be a handful of reasons where you don't need to be on LinkedIn. And reason number one could be you decided that your purpose on this planet is to become an amazing full-time mom or an amazing full-time dad. Mm -hmm. And you're never, ever going to be part of the job market. You're never, ever going to work. If this is the case, then I really think, you know, having a LinkedIn profile and spending time on LinkedIn doesn't make much sense mm -hmm. at all. Um, but if you think that you will return to the, you know, having a job or offering your services at a certain stage, then it may, it makes sense to be active on this platform and to update it. You don't need to post five times per week, seven times per week, but maybe once per week, um, just to keep the, the connection to, you know, to keep the engagement, to keep the momentum. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, especially I guess when you turned into a young or fresh or new parent, some of the stories or the insights that you have about a shift on perspective on life versus business or about the challenges working while you couldn't sleep properly for a week or um, things like that could inspire other people. And you can then meet like-minded individuals who support you, who support you through that super challenging phase of being a mom or a dad. So yeah, why not? I agree with you. <laughs> I've been trying to convince her to get on LinkedIn because she's also a blogger <laughs> and uh, she, she writes really well. I think she could help a lot of people, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll work on it still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe you can find a nice or a fair um, compromise or something. It's yeah. like, you know what, for one hour on Mondays, I take the baby and I fuck off. And then this is the hour when you create whatever and you need to spend that hour on LinkedIn. 
And if you do that, I also gift you with, um, I don't know, a Thai massage as a thank you. <laughs> that's that's a good plan. I don't, I don't think she could say no to that. <laughs> huh? See? Yes. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about your website and any other services or your social media that you want to plug. And then I'll include that at the end of the interview. Sure. So if you like reading, if you are a reader, then definitely have a look at my blog, which is called thinknatalia.com. I have three categories that I write about uh, business, lifestyle, and superheroes. And the superheroes part is about all of the podcast interviews that I have. So this is my biggest source of uh, content, I would say. If you're interested in daily status updates and daily stories, daily, daily inspiration, then either have a look at my LinkedIn if you're more business-minded or if you're more into inspiration or want to know about my daily adventures, then I think Instagram is the perfect platform. And um, yeah, we take it from there. Hey, just a quick note before you leave the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and being a supporter of the show. It means a lot to me and a lot to the guests. I want you to go ahead and feel free to follow me on Instagram or on LinkedIn, at Blake BML, on Facebook, on Snapchat, wherever. And connect with me and ask me your questions. I would love to answer your questions about digital marketing, digital media, building an online brand, anything you may have a question on online. I want to help provide value for free to you. So reach out to me on social media and let me know what questions you have. And also you can visit my new website and blog at blakebml.com.